Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your host Emma and in the last couple of weeks I have been on a road trip with my partner Steve to Scotland and on our travels we ended up on the Isle of Skye where we happened upon the first ever Hebridean whiskey trail. The whiskey trail was coordinated by Cindy Campbell who I was very fortunate to meet and who introduced me to a number of the distillers. The distillers involved in this particular whiskey trail came from the Isle of Skye, the Isle of Rasse, from Jura and from the Isle of Harris and Lewis. I had a very enjoyable conversation with Neil Matheson who is the chief executive of the Torreveg distillery and the youngest distillery on the Isle of Skye. And my other discussion was with Stephen Marriott, my partner. These are his reflections on our visit to the Isle of Rasse for a whisky tasting there. This is just a snapshot into the various whiskies and, of course, the many whiskies that are distilled in Scotland. But I hope it gives you a flavour and a taste to try one of the many that exist. And perhaps you'll be able to find whether you like a strong peat, a soft peat, or, in fact, no peaty flavour to your whisky. Well, hello, this is the Travelling Through podcast, and I've managed to grab Neil Matheson um, of Torreveg, Torreveg Distillers. But we're at the first ever Hebridean Whiskey Trail Festival, um, and, and Neil, you've been a, one of the founding members well, of this trail? Or this I, I suppose so, because the, the longest or the oldest distilleries open are very, very well, well established. Yes. I suppose it took three or four new distilleries to join in to feel that there was a need for a trail that specialised in the islands that we were on. Um, and we're all obviously uh, approving of anybody who wants to help us get yes. people to the distillery and buy the whiskey. Definitely. Yes, buying yeah. the whiskey is important. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it takes such a long time to build the distillery and age the whiskey that by yep. the time we have whiskey that we can sell, we're very excited about selling it. Well, I heard that actually initially it was meant to be 10 years that you had to wait before uh, whiskey could be sold, but, but you... I, I think that um, on an island like Skye, uh, we even underestimated the time it took to build a distillery. Because you're in a very old building. We are, and we're in a historically protected building. And yeah. uh, we estimated two to two and a half years. Yes. And that is about the same length of time that it takes to have your stills delivered by the still manufacturers. Oh. Uh, and I think during our build pro uh, process, we recorded um, a year and a half where it rained every week oh, God. on Sky. Yeah. So by the time we got to the end of the fourth year, our master mason had actually taken the wheels off his caravan and moored it to the ground and was living there full time. <laughs> because obviously I'm a building surveyor by trade and conservation so yeah. I understand fully uh, the difficulty in actually reconstructing almost well, in, a, in a very conservative way. And The way we looked at it was a restoration uh, program. Yeah. It would have been an awful lot easier for us to build a, a new building yeah. and put in the perfect size uh, pieces of distilling equipment that yes. made life easy for us. Yeah. But instead, uh, our investors uh, chose uh, to do two jobs at once, which is restore an old building and produce a distillery. And uh, it's, I've only got myself to blame because uh, I found the building 
and I knew about the building, <laughs> and I recommended the building. Oh, did you? So, <laughs> yeah, so it's probably my fault. Uh, but it was it was great fun because uh, even though the importance of maintaining the historical aspects of it yes. was foremost in our restoration mind, we still had to get the whiskey equipment into the distillery in, in the right order mm -hmm. in order to make it work. Right. And that was very exciting as well. So not just a mason taking out a whole stone from the wall and the wall staying up. Right. But actually following things like the fermenters across the bridge oh. in the middle of a storm and hoping that they weren't blown over into the estuary. Oh my goodness, okay. <laughs> and also I, when I, I was I was grateful that I was able to get to the to the distillery this morning and saw the roof structure because it's really fascinating because you've got elements of it that actually lift off almost like um, so you can keep the, the original right. tiling. Be well the the, uh, the distilling equipment, the pot stills and the uh, vessels had to come in from one end. Mm. So therefore if the stills came in first, they will never come out that end because all of the other vessels came in after them. Okay. Yeah. So what we had to do was we had to build a structure within the roof uh, yeah. so that we could lift the roof off, mm -hmm. take the stills out when they need renewing, yeah. put the stills back in and put the roof back on. Right, right. In real terms within the industry, one expects the necks of your stills to last between 20, maybe 25, 35 years mm -hmm. and then the copper will need replaced. So in some buildings you would cut the copper up, take yes. it out piece by piece, mm -hmm. bring in and the coppersmiths would refabricate. Yes. But we had our uh, stills flanged so that the neck and head can be taken off, come through the roof mm -hmm. and the new one can be fitted on. My goodness. And we hope that will give us a quicker route to yeah. replacing them in the distant future. Okay, all right, fingers crossed for that then. <laughs> fingers crossed, exactly. But the, the whiskey itself, how, how would you describe a Torovig whiskey? Uh, Obviously you've got not just one. Gentle peat. Gentle, Gentle peat. peat. Okay. We started with um, a viewpoint of a flavour profile mm -hmm. and then of course having found the building we wanted to use, uh, we had to study carefully using stills that would fit into the building, the effect yeah. that the uh, physics of the still would have on the chemistry of the uh, of the whiskey, right? And that led us to a point where we had to decide at that point before anything was built and before the stills were built that we would accept that, okay? Because you can't change it, and that's one of the great things about the individual Scotch whiskey distilleries, mm -hmm. that uh, each still is a different shape, a different size, different length of neck, different uh, direction of the line arm, and things like this. So they're all going to produce a different spirit. Yes. Inimitable. Yeah. Okay. So there is a real uniqueness about. There is so an incredible no competition in some ways. There is no competition to those who want to look into this aspect as providing one of the differences. Okay. Remember that the rest of the differences come from how you make it and what you do with it. Of course. Yes. So we wish to have uh, a gentle peat. Yes. Perhaps not the pungency of some of the other peated whiskies, and perhaps not the uh, vegetal earthiness. Or, or, of some of them, so that we can sit nicely in the middle. Okay, so um, today a lot of people have been talking about pairing whiskey with food, um, which is quite a new concept for quite a lot of people. Normally it's seen as a drink that you have at the end of a meal. 
We, we're very happy to experiment with everything, but also we, we don't feel that there is any reason for somebody to comment on how you drink whiskey. Mm -hmm. Even ours. Yeah. Uh, so I think that it's not just whiskey pairing, it's the fact that whis longer whiskey drinks should be more than acceptable. Right. Um, we're a big fan of the highball. Uh, five parts soda to one part whiskey takes you back to pre-war type stuffy old uh, traditional people who, you know, with their soda cycle. Okay. And it's a marvellous drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But pairing, yes, we, we actively pair occasionally with uh, chocolates, but also with uh, smoked salmon, with meats, with yeah. putting it into sauces. I don't know that our peated whiskey will pair quite as easily in some instances as the rounder uh, space size. And the space size that we're talking, so Aberdeenshire, Brickmark. Well, I think as you as you look at the typical uh, whiskies that the, the the normal person in the street might go and buy, the famous names, the top twenty distilleries, a lot of them are uh, famous, mm -hmm. not simply because of the size of the company that owns them, but because they produce this amazing rounded flavour profile, which doesn't have the spikiness or the aromatics of a peated whisky. Right. And it's, uh, they've, a lot of them have been there for a long time, they've got good stock, so they've got a lot of age, okay. which gives you some nice rounded structure. We don't have any of that yet. No. Five years old, Five it's difficult years. to have lots, lots of structure. Yeah. So are you one of the, the newest whiskies on the block, on the scene, as it were? I, I think that there is a, nowadays, uh, I've been in the business for 40 years. Uh, and uh, for perhaps 25 of those years, the number of Scotch whisky distilleries didn't differ by more than two or three as, they, as one might close and one might open. Oh my goodness, okay. But nowadays I believe that there is probably somebody who can produce whisky new every three months. Gosh, that's... So we, we are heading towards, I think, 160 whisky distilleries up from 120. So it's for, for somebody new trying to find out about whisky, it's a minefield in a way, isn't I it? I would say it's that it's more exciting. Yes, okay. Not yes. a minefield, Not more a minefield. exciting. More exciting. <laughs> I think that uh, as the immediacy of, in, of the intimate knowledge of things spreads because of modern technology and the internet, the ability to ask a direct question has also come up. So those people who want to ask a direct question and take a particular avenue to what they eat and drink yes. can now do these things. Yeah. And uh, we have to uh, answer. So therefore, it does, I don't think it matters that there's more of a choice. Mm -hmm. I think what matters is that people can now make a more informed choice. Yes. And if they want to spread that choice, the, the, the product will be available. Okay. You can order it on the internet. Of course, yeah. Which and you, but also coming to somewhere like here, Sky, which is a fantastic destination in its own right. Absolutely. Um, uh, even when it's raining, it's beautiful. <laughs> it depends on the rain. <laughs> that's true. Horizontal, horizontal rain is never beautiful. No, that's true. I We're very lucky our distillery is, uh, is on the beach. Yes. Uh, and when the, the wind blows in the right direction, you can walk a metre out of the building and not get wet because really? it blows it past the roof before it comes down. <laughs> Incredible. But one of the things about coming to Sky is, is, is somebody trying whiskies for the first time has an opportunity to, to sample yours, yeah. as well as Talisker, which is a very well known one, That's in, right. relatively speaking. Um, and and we also can, Rasse. We can consider that Rasse being a close 
cousin yes, yes. is part of the, the same yes, setup. Exactly. Yeah. So very close. And the good thing about going to Rossi is you don't have to take your car. No, I did that yesterday actually. It was fantastic. And but uh, I think that um, we're I th I, I, the way we view it. We have a very uh, nice sight uh, just as you come onto Sky from the bridge yes. and from the ferry. So I don't think that we, we give any uh, obstacle to people visiting us. No. But we are a small distillery. Yeah. And you've, you've certainly very much focused on uh, a very family approach. You're very open, accessible to people coming in for the first time, not really knowing what they're looking for. Um, well, that comes from, I think, the way that we also run the distillery. Uh, when, when we looked to start, uh, one had to make the decision of who you, who you bring on board to help you in your team. Yes. Uh, and one of the things about being on an island with a relatively small population is, is, is it a team or is it a family? Okay. So our approach was that we would prefer it was a family mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, in that case it would be very difficult to get people who had experience or people who had a driving desire and had always held out to want to be a whiskey maker because okay. they can't have uh, the background of that and not found a job mm -hmm. and suddenly decide to do it at the age of 55 it's yeah. not really the norm yes, yes. so what we did was we just simply put out an open invitation and said if anybody would like to become a whiskey distiller please come and talk to us Brilliant. And they did. And they did. Yes. In their hordes? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say hordes, but we specifically, because we didn't require um, previous experience, we felt that with our, our own background and our team around us, uh, because I'll admit that the company does own other distilleries, uh, we have enough knowledge and we are able to teach. And we are able on an ongoing basis to teach people yeah. to become distillers. Okay. So I think that uh, we were very happy to talk to everybody who wanted to come along um, and I think that in the end they went from 22 to over 50. Okay. Uh, whatever gender you like, it didn't make any difference to us. We simply wanted to, to hear people who had an interest yeah. to talk to them. Yeah, yeah. And indeed I think it took us no time at all to offer the first batch the mm -hmm. job. And, they, and they've stayed. And th because enthusiasm accounts for so much. And passion. And passion yes. Which, uh, I mean, because I've been in the industry for so long, I, I would probably maintain that I probably have it, but you can't instill it in other people. So what we wanted to be able to do was to sort of uh, bring in, a, a, not a mentorship, because that's rather a closer relationship, where, where the analysis of people is, is more active. Mm. And we limit that to our apprenticeship scheme. Yeah. But what we call our journeyman scheme is one, is one of more uncle advice, I think one might call it. Uh, so that we can sit down and ask a question to probe for an answer and to say, do you think that that's why the whiskey was slightly different or the new spirit was slightly different? Rather than laying down the law. Yes, yeah. But that's not to say that uh, the team at Torveg don't distill the way they're told. <laughs> okay. Well, you have to have, I imagine you probably have to have some quite sort of not strict but parameters right. otherwise it will be going for us for 10 months of the year uh, the, the team obey the recipe okay. but it's up to them to take the humidity the temperature uh, and everything else into account yes. and we are manual on the final cut okay that's really interesting yeah. so you know it's it, it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity for them to express an opinion as well okay 
Fantastic. And, and in terms of um, your your reach for the for the whiskey, I mean, as you're a very new uh, distillery it, here. Obviously, uh, it's in real terms. Uh, we, we have a limited release because we have no old whiskey. Mm -hmm. And if we uh, were to offer too much of the young whiskey, we would obviously never have any old whiskey. Yeah, yeah, of course. But uh, it would also be wrong of us to assume that there is enough interest yeah. that automatically people have heard about you and know about you. So you do have to actively market. You do have to go out and promote. Yes. You do have to tell people about your product. Uh, and yes, that becomes uh, obviously nowadays a huge competitive world. Yeah, for sure. And, and there are so many interesting products out there, yeah. not just in whiskey, but everything. Well, exactly. I mean, gin is such a big thing these days. You've got indeed. In terms of a, another I think we have three gin makers on the island. Do you really? Yeah. Do you make gin as well? We don't make gin here. We make whiskey here. Okay. We make gin in another distillery, right. but we don't make it right. here. So, um, as part of the, the Hebridean Trail, have you, have, have you found that this festival has been a success so far? Have you we have been, we've been busy all day today. Fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of people who, are, who not only have come to the island, but also it gives you another opportunity to interact with people from the island. Yes, yeah. And I think you probably know when you talk about Sky because we have a bridge. Uh, Kyle is part of the island and everything, you know, it's, it's, it, the island stretches out ever so slightly further than the actual geographical definition. Yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, so we, we've had a lot of people coming up. So people listening to this podcast, where can they find out more about your whiskey? Well, obviously they can go onto our distillery's website mm -hmm. and then if they want to know more about the actual whiskies, uh, there will be branded websites for the whiskies. As a whisky company with um, several decades of, of blending and bottling, yeah. we not only have uh, our single malt distilleries, but we've been involved in producing whisky uh, since the 90s. So we've been making blends, uh, predominantly blended malts. Okay. And so we have actually, uh, we are fortunate enough that we have an active marketing uh, of these. And we're part of a group, and that group has a stretch which includes wineries, distilleries, and liqueur making. Okay. Uh, so we have a we have a, a bed of expertise yes, that, yes. that helps us with both production and with the onward sale. And obviously, one hopes with stretching the word to a wider audience. Although you've got to say that for the smaller craft size distilleries, um, we're rather happy we have that. Mm -hmm. parent company yes because the job is not easy no i can imagine it, it, it is not well there's no. just so much competition and also as, as um you're, you're the the second legal distiller but are there still are there still illegal distilleries around i couldn't possibly comment <laughs> okay right, uh, i think that somebody asked me uh this question once and if you were to buy one of the uh, less expensive electric kettles mm -hmm. and put tinned beer or bottled beer into it and hold the button down, the act of boiling off the fumes of your beer is distillation if you collect what comes out. Yeah. Uh, so anybody with a kettle could say that they, and who wanted to ruin it and put beer in it and, and burn out the element could probably yeah. claim that they've distilled. Okay. So if you collect the vapor, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. No. So again, I don't think that there are serious moonshiners. No. Okay. 
Yeah. In Scotland. I believe that in, during my career in the industry, the view of Her Majesty's Customs has changed, mm. and whereby the risk of the excise value always weighed heavily on everybody's mind for illicit distilling. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, anybody in the business uh, is considered to be liable for the maximum that they ever mention to anybody. So if we buy barley and do not convert it to alcohol, we would have to explain where the barley went. Okay, yeah. Or simply pay the tax for whiskey we didn't make. Right. So there is very, very careful collection of data of everybody who does distill legally. And I would say that it's probably not worth your while mm. anymore. Okay. One last question about the environment and being sort of um, organic and all the rest of it. With I mean, the fact that there's peat involved and there's so many different issues that people could say, oh, should we even be doing this, making whiskey because with, with uh, destroying the peat and lands? Um, it's a good question. We work closely with uh, a doctor of peat. Um, and he actually writes articles on our website, so if, if people are interested they can actually look into it. And he's running a series with us mm -hmm. describing uh, how the peat fields came about, but also how the current managed harvesting of peat, mm -hmm. as opposed to peat stripping, yes. uh, is manageable. Okay. Um, and uh, we are only taking peat uh, into the maltsters from a managed uh, peat field. Okay. Right. Uh, we're not saying that that isn't stripping peat, mm. but it is managed. It's managed, okay. Right. Well, but there is quite a lot about peat, and uh, obviously one can say it's all bad, mm. but it is an inimitable flavouring in a lot of Scotch whisky. And in terms of um, Brexit, has that had an impact? No import directly, okay. because we're a user of Scottish barley, a user of uh, Scottish maltster, uh, obviously the water comes from Skye. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of water. Um, uh, our yeasts uh, arrive as, as we expect to. And uh, we are importing uh, barrels. Mm -hmm. And two thirds of our barrel stock, uh, we have uh, Spanish barrels, French barrels and uh, American barrels. Mm -hmm. uh, so two thirds of them come from outside of, of, of Britain. Um, they have been arriving. Okay. So at the moment we have felt that there is very little to harm the way we work. Yes. And because it tends to be that the bottled product is still in demand mm -hmm. and we move them in whole containers, yes. even though we only bottle a few bits and pieces you know, every year, right. we, we, we actually were not in that much of a hurry to keep the pipeline as full as an FMCG supermarket product. So I don't think that we've currently suffered. Okay. It may be different if the COVID and the problems with global transport and logistics cause us much more problems. Mm -hmm. But we'll find that out hopefully as we recover more over the next year or so. A strategic move as well to have your distillery very close to the, the ferry link to, to Malag as well. <laughs> or is that, is that just, again... No, well, with, with my ancestry up here, uh, Sky was the chosen island, and mm. the fact that it had a bridge was indeed a very important factor. Okay. Our other distillery uh, is in the Scottish borders mm. and is actually on the main road. Right, okay. So, um, so you know, we're, we're, we're not blind to the fact that logistics is a big element of what we do. Yeah.
but the setting that you have is absolutely exceptional. I, I, I think to, 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 to paraphrase one of the large brewers, possibly the most beautiful distillery in the world. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Neil, for taking Thank the you. time to talk. To learn more about Torreveg whiskey and the other whiskey distilleries that were involved in this first ever Hebridean whiskey trail, go to hebrideanwhiskey.com. That's spelled H-E-B-R-I-D-E-A-N, whiskey, W-H-I-S-K-Y, dot com. I'm back in England now with Steve, and I've managed to grab him for 10 minutes of his very precious time to talk a little bit about Isle of Skye. And uh, I've just poured him a whiskey to loosen his tongue and uh, let the words flow. So cheers, Steve. Well, hopefully it does the trick. <laughs> Thanks, Emma. <laughs> you and I were really fortunate enough to get across to Rasse uh, by the boat. We did. To try one of the whiskies, and I'd like to know a little bit about your thoughts on, on that and just generally about the distillery, because it was a very interesting tour, wasn't it? Well, you make us sound like alcoholics, Emma, taking a <laughs> you know a ferry all the way to a distillery just to just to taste some whiskey. Um, but yes, uh, we went um, to um Rasse, which is um, I guess just across the sound yeah. from Isle of Skye. What was it, about a sort of twenty-minute journey to the island? And yeah, yeah we had a, we had a great time at this newish distillery, getting the tour, tasting some of their different brews. And you're having a little wander around the island as well. Mm. Mm. It was a very um, humbling experience, wasn't it? Because it's a very small island and it has been quite famous for the uh, the book about Callum's Road, about the guy who built the end of that road. But we didn't actually go and visit that. However, uh, one one of the things that came out of it was, was that because it is such a young distillery that it's actually employing quite a lot of the locals, local islanders, and people have moved to the island too to sort of re-inhabit it almost. So. Yeah, that's that's right. You reminded me of that 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 book, um, Callum's Road, was pretty much everywhere was, um, in the in the sort of tourist shops or, or bookshops. You know, that, that obviously focused on more on Scottish books, and obviously that that way in the in the, in the Hebrides. And yeah, I mean, obviously um, being a little island in the Hebrides. Rasse, obviously junior to Sky, there were there weren't so many roads, and so this this chap had to struggle to build his own road um, to, to to link, uh, I guess, connect his ha- house to the ferry, I guess. And but yeah, that that that's sort of uh, talking at a tangent there. But um, no, it was it the the, the island was uh, was it was interesting to go to, and I guess for me it um, it gave me a lot of joy really because I could see um, we were there you know sort of i guess at that point towards the end of august uh, early september really mm. and um you could really see how the isle of sky and other parts of the hebrides had really suffered what was in their peak season suffered for not being able to get staff yeah. seasonal staff because i mean obviously the hebrides are further away so it's always going to be a bit more of a struggle to get staff that far out than when it's only seasonal work but in the past they would have um, been able to supplement labor of course being part of the European Union and um, been able to get um, people from overseas mm, mm. Uh, whether it's Spain Italy Eastern or Central Europe and a lot of you know a lot of uh, workers um, would be able to find work there as you know generally classed as unskilled work and of course being part of the European Union not needing a visa now at the, the peak of their season 
It was so sad to see so many restaurants and hotels and people we speak to having to turn away business yeah. because they couldn't get the staff. Yeah. They had to be closed one or two days a week. Often lunch times they couldn't they couldn't cater they couldn't manage, um, or they had to have um, one less cover an evening. Exactly. Uh, and it was, you know we were basically told that you know anybody could get a job at there if if they wanted to if, if you yes. know, as long as they could as long as they could. Uh, had uh, two arms and two hands and were prepared to do a bit of work and, uh, yeah, and but obviously we could if we wanted to any British person could but obviously it's it's much harder now yeah um, if you're European and don't have a British passport yeah. so it was so tough we stopped four-star hotel popped in to have a look at um, um, a Saturday lunchtime empty because they, could, they didn't, couldn't get the yeah. star and that you know that story is not unique to them as I say but going to this the Rasse distillery mm. I think their population was something like 150 and um, the distillery now, I believe it's only about five or six years old, is now the second biggest employer on the island after the ferry companies. Yeah, yeah. But it was attracting, as you should say, you know, from what we picked up on the story, there were it's a very young company. Yeah. A lot of younger people who had um, left the island and maybe gone away to study had come back, whether it was just their summer holidays or attracted back there longer term to work at the, the distillery. And I have to say, after visiting some of the bigger distilleries in Scotland, uh, especially some of those now, which are very much in you know the hands of the big corporates owned by the the big breweries now, the yeah. big drinks companies. Um, you know we know we all know who the big four or five are across the world. Very corporate. You mm. know, um, okay, they might still make nice whiskey, but you you just thought it was a bit like sort of you're getting off the the bus and it was a tick box exercise. The staff weren't really invested in it. Uh, they weren't really engaged. They were just going for the motions, you might say. Whereas on Rasse. The young staff behind the bar there, we would even do little tasters with you yeah. even if you weren't on the yeah, tour. And, right. and they want, we were so happy to, to talk about the company and the lady which did give us a tour and did the tastings of, of, of their different brews of, um, of Scotch whiskey they did. She was an islander and she was just so, just so just passionate about it. And it was interesting, her husband also worked for the company as well and I believe he, he in distribution. And uh, but it was a company where everybody it was all hands on deck. It everybody was, seemed to it? sort of multitask and, and and know the different jobs. Um, and I think only probably employed about fifty odd people in total. But they're opening another one, and another in another part of the Hebrides, I, I believe. But uh, yeah, that was interesting to see. It is still possible with passion, and. Um, a great product yeah and belief i think also. yes and uh you know it's very remote you know to, to get to either sky then have to take another ferry yeah which yeah. you know there's only sort of five or six ferries a day i think um that's dedication yeah. but yeah it was it that was a nice a nice morning it was there and what i loved about it also was that it was really all ages were employed it wasn't just all young or, or old yes it was a real yeah mix. That's right. I mean, when I say young, it had a young feel about yeah. it because of the energy. I mean, there were young, very young people there, but the lady giving us the tour, I would say she was in her late 50s to early 60s, perhaps. She was fantastic. Mm. Real young spirit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, and it was it, it rubbed off on the people doing the tour. It's quite an intimate tour. Yeah. Well, we were lucky, the one we, we, we got on. And everybody was you know, very engaged, had lots of questions, of course, enjoyed the, the, the whiskey tasting after, uh, you know, at the end of the tour. And we, you know, we got a real, you know, the culmination of learning about the, their process and, and things. So, yeah, that, that gave me a bit of sort of um, hope for Scotland and, and sort of more remote areas as the Hebrides. Because as to quote um, another lady, um, a sort of shift manager and, and another hotel we visited, 
She said politicians like to say COVID, they like to say Ukraine and blame this on our on our problems. But the reality is we know it's Brexit. Mm. It's Brexit which has caused the problem because it's it's um it, it is not allowing so called unskilled staff to get to where they need to be. Yeah. yeah. And so peak season with tourists, they're having to turn away they're having to turn away business. And that part of Scotland now is all about tourism and they only got a few they've only got a few months to make their money. Mm-hmm. Else it's gonna be tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we hope for next year that they can the government can get itself sorted out so that they can somehow allow people from Europe in to work because it's a two-way thing as well, isn't it? I mean, they, um, a lot of people want to come to work. It improves their English as well, and it's part of the season. There's a real spirit of well, all being in it together. Yeah. Well, let, let's face it. Also, talk, I mean, we're talking mainly about hospitality here, but you know, they, the, you know Scotland does make a lot of products, and of course, Scotch whisky. Yes. It's famous around the world, and if they can't get the staff to be involved in the production process, how are they going to export it? You know, they need they need the staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, well, the government. Don't get me started on politicians and bureaucrats. That, well, that's a whole. That, there's about, another. That's another podcast. We're talking about tourism, really, and, yes. and, and also how it's been affected quite considerably. And and it was a real eye opener for us, wasn't it? Everywhere we went, it wasn't oh. that just wasn't a sky situation. It was all around Scotland, and in England as well, I think also but we were not so aware of it because our our trip was mainly to scotland on this yeah it'll be interesting to see how we get on as we traverse across france and italy to sicily in the coming months so watch out guys we will be um, on the road again in our van and talking more about van life and the people that we meet on the way um so i hope you enjoyed this podcast which is just really a snapshot about whiskey, really, because the tour was so fast, I didn't have time to put something together that would be concise enough for you to enjoy. But we have got stuff on Instagram, so do follow On the Road with Roswin, spelt R-H-O-S-W-Y-N, which means White Rose in Welsh, um, because our van is Welsh. Thank you so much, Steve, for spending 10 minutes of your time to do this, as we're getting ready to, to go and packing and goodness knows what else. No problem. I'll be quite happy to share my uh, my views on wine this time. Olive my, oil. <laughs> uh, wine and olive oil and um, my uh, observations on the economics of <laughs> France and Italy. Fantastic. Uh, yes, yeah, so and that reminds me, are we going to bring that bottle of Rasse uh, whiskey with us in oh, the van? Oh, maybe we should. So we haven't touched it yet. Yes, that's a very good idea. Let's do that. Okay, well, I'll drink to that. Cheers. Cheers, love. <laughs> Okay, to all you podcast listeners out there, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Um, it has been put together uh, very fast for you, uh, but just as I said, just a snapshot um, into our, our tour in, in Scotland. If you've enjoyed it, please do share with your friends. Please do subscribe to the Travelling Through podcast and please do write us a rating and a review. Or please write a review and give us a star rating, even better. Um, That really helps my podcast guests to reach a wider audience. And that is what this podcast is all really about. So that's it for now. Um, You can find out more about me on Instagram and on my website, travelingthrough.co.uk. But for now, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Take care and thanks for listening. (laughs) 